With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select. You're listening to the Journey to the Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance. Start your journey at AAA.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mobile, Alabama. Alex Smith alongside Fran Duffy as we get set for really what's going to be an incredible and a really interesting week of Senior Bowl coverage here in Mobile. Welcome to the latest Journey to the Draft podcast. Fran, we had a, a long day of traveling. Uh, yes. Stop over in Atlanta. We get to Pensacola. We drive from Pensacola to here, during which we do uh, one of our first periscopes that we've ever done. Uh, I think it went pretty smoothly, but uh, here we are in Mobile, and uh, it should be a really fun week. Yeah, no question. If you want to check out that periscope video, it was about uh, 30 or so minutes. If this podcast isn't enough... You just go to my Twitter feed, and the video will be there for another 24 hours or so. So uh, you can give that a listen as well. You do not want to miss that. Some really riveting action yes. uh, on the journey from Pensacola here to Mobile. Uh, but as I said, it should be a really entertaining week. Some of the top prospects in the country uh, heading into uh, this this upcoming NFL draft. They'll be here. We'll get to see them up close. We'll see them at the weigh-ins. We'll see their measurements. Um, all the scouts will be here. Uh, a lot of all the GMs will be here. So really just a huge week uh, here for the Philadelphia Eagles and for really for fans of the entire NFL. And as for this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast, we have a ton of action coming your way. We'll get into draft buzz in just a little bit. A couple of reports about who's in and who's out at this week's Senior Bowl. We'll talk a couple of mock drafts as well. Always fun to talk the mock drafts. Our Mr. Relevant segment will have Lance Zerline of NFL.com talking about some of the big boys up front. Yes, the best offensive linemen that we'll see this week here at the Senior Bowl. Uh, pick six, we'll uh, also talk about some of the guys who we're excited to watch this week. Uh, we have a couple of really interesting unofficial visits, including Graham Glasgow, who was one of the standouts at the Shrine game last week, and we'll also get to see him again this week here in Mobile. Uh, we'll go on the clock, and then we'll uh, we'll answer some of your draft mailbag questions as well. So, uh, all right, Fran, I think let's jump right in here. Let's get things rolling with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, let's kick off Draft Buzz here. And uh, before we start, obviously, while we're down here for the Senior Bowl, back home in Philadelphia, Fran, huge news with the Zach Ertz contract extension. They signed him to a new five-year contract. He'll be with the Eagles through 2021. And if you're building this team and you're looking at the long-term future of this team, Zach Ertz is a pretty nice piece to have. Absolutely. I've always been a big fan of what Zach Ertz can bring to the table for a, for a passing game and what he can do through the air. Obviously, he had a huge last month of the season, and I'm really excited to see how this coaching staff utilizes him. I expect a lot more situations this year where they try and create favorable matchups for him in the passing game. It should, it should be a very exciting year moving forward for Zach Ertz. Was Ertz a senior bowl guy? Ertz was not. He was a junior coming out, so right. uh, he didn't get a chance to go to Senior Bowl. But uh, there's some interesting players too at this, and I and I don't think that this signing, you know, eliminates the Eagles from adding a tight end at any point in this sure. draft either. You know, obviously you want to continue to add youth to that position. We've got Trey Burton there as well, who's on the younger side. Could he move to fullback? I guess that'll be an interesting situation to watch as we get into OTAs and mini camps. But uh, I would not say that this Ertz re-signing you know, takes the Eagles away from any of these tight ends. We're going to see a lot of talented tight ends here at the Senior Bowl. Yeah, we'll talk about one of those tight ends. Uh, actually, one of the tight ends that we won't be seeing uh, due to injury who pulled out 
uh, earlier this week, so we won't be seeing him down here. But we have a ton of players to get to. Uh, some of the biggest, one of the biggest news items from earlier this week was that 96 official underclassmen have declared. Uh, Fran, any of these guys that you're really excited to to get to watch, you know, put more focus on now that you know they're offic- they've officially declared for the NFL? Yeah, a lot of these guys, obviously you watch and you see the highlights and you, and you watch some games and you get an idea of what they can do, but I haven't studied some of the, a lot of these guys, and some of them I'm most excited to see. Obviously Kevin Dodd from Clemson, a ton of buzz about him after the year that he had and especially the way that he closed the season out at the national championship game against Alabama. Excited to watch Alex McAllister, the same position out of Florida, Big, long kid that has some athleticism to him. South Carolina wide receiver Farrow Cooper was one of the first underclassmen to declare. He, I have yet to study him. Indiana's Jordan Howard, the running back, a UAB transfer who was one of the most productive ball carriers in the country this year. And then Arkansas, they've got, a, they've got an interesting offensive lineman. Denver Kirkland that can play tackle, can play guard, one of those big people-moving offensive linemen that can play a number of different spots. And then Auburn, Sean Coleman, we're going to talk about him in a bit. Uh, I have not studied him, but I know that he's he's gotten some fanfare as well. A uh, couple other uh, news items here that are worth mentioning. Uh, this is a report from Alabama uh, AL.com. says that Alabama center Ryan Kelly will not be here this week at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Fran, what do you make of Kelly not being here this week? You know, I haven't studied Kelly yet because obviously he had never been added to the Senior Bowl list. So, you know, I'm trying to focus on all these senior bowl players. So he's one of the few top seniors that I have yet to get eyes on at all because I didn't even watch him coming out of 2014 either. But uh, it's one of those situations. We'll get an idea tomorrow morning. One of the, the, the key things about going to weigh-ins on Tuesday morning is obviously you get all the measurements. You get to see all these guys uh, stripped down to, the, to their underwear and see what they're, what they're, how they carry the weight. But really the big thing, too, is seeing the players that decline their invitation. Who, what, what players – were invited to come down here to the Senior Bowl and denied the request. Some did it in more favorable, respectful ways than others. And Phil Savage, the, the senior director of the Senior Bowl, not afraid to put some players on blast oh, really? and send some of those guys, uh, you know, a little shade. So very interesting to see, you know, who, who were the guys that respectfully declined and others that maybe not so much. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see what happens with Kelly. I would imagine that him being an Alabama guy. Phil Savage is the the color commentator color commentator for Alabama football. I would imagine that that went went over pretty smooth. And then that same report, uh, player that you mentioned earlier in this podcast, offensive tackle Sean Coleman from Auburn, another guy who declined the invite. Yeah, and one of the uh, redshirt juniors who declared for the draft has already graduated, so he was eligible to come down here to the Senior Bowl. A number of those players fit that bill that we're going to see. We're going to see Eastern Kentucky's Noah Spence. We're going to see Penn State's Austin Johnson. Some of the top players on the defensive line that are here fit that bill. Sean Coleman would have been one of those guys but declined the invitation. So along those same lines we talked about with Kelly, I'm interested to see what the explanation is tomorrow morning. Uh, and then we have a couple other uh, notable names who, are, who have reportedly pulled out of this week's action here, Josh Doxson being one of them, uh, Taylor Decker, another big name out of Ohio State, uh, Shalik Calhoun was a guy that we watched on tape together. I was really interested to see what he could do, and then Tyler Higby, a tight end out of Western Kentucky, and also cornerback William Jackson out of Houston. So a big list of guys who will not be able, who will not be on display this week. But then at the same time frame, we also get some guys who are late additions, guys like Graham Glasgow, who we saw last week at the Shrine Game, Tajay Sharp, another Shrine Game guy who really stood out, uh, DJ Reader from Clemson, Texas Tech running back DeAndre Washington. So, you know, some guys, 
step out, but at the same time, when those guys decide not to come, that gives other players the opportunity, but a lot of names to digest. Yeah, no question. I mean, if you start at the top, it's disappointing we won't be able to see Doxson. You remember that he had the, the wrist injury to close out the 2015 season, so his status for this game was always a little bit of a question mark. Uh, now it is official per Dane Brugler that he will not participate. Taylor Decker, not sure what the deal is there. I don't know that he had yeah, an injury to close the season out, so yeah, it's very interesting. A lot of people view him as potentially the third best offensive lineman off the board. We'll see what the explanation is with that one. Shalik Calhoun, people were excited about. He was excited about the opportunity to stand up at this game. He had been a defensive end throughout his, in his entire career with Michigan State. Now he'll get a chance to play standing up. He does not have that since he no, no longer will be down here. Tyler Higby is an athletic tight end similar to a Zach Ertz, who won't be available. He's a former wide receiver for Western Kentucky, won't be down here because of an injury that hampered most of his 2015 season. And no explanation yet for William Jackson. Dane Brugger actually said that on Twitter earlier today, one of the big physical corners. I wasn't crazy about Jackson's tape, but there was no explanation given for why he had decli declined the invite. So it'll be very interesting to hear exactly what the reason is behind it. All right, uh, perhaps uh, the most interesting note of our Draft Buzz segment today. This one comes from our friend Greg Cosell, of course, the senior producer over at NFL Films. And he said, now again, this could be just a quote that kind of gets taken out of context or maybe there's more to it. We're not really sure. But Greg Cosell says that Cal quarterback Jared Goff is a better prospect than Jameis Winston. Yeah. I saw Bring that last thoughts. week. <laughs> uh, so I, I haven't gotten a chance to talk to Greg yet. You know, obviously, those of you that listen to the, the podcast and listen to the Eagle Eye in the Sky column or the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, you know I talk with Greg every week. I have him on the podcast every week. I haven't talked to them for a couple weeks now that the season's been over. We've been on the road. Uh, the, the shows for NFL matchup have been very, very busy for him. So I, we, he and I have not talked. I know that he likes Goff from the little that he has seen. Interesting to see that he's willing to go out on this kind of limb now. I didn't hear the whole interview either, so I'm not exactly sure what kind of context can be put into that quote. But uh, interesting that he would go that far because me personally, I would not go that far. I still have some questions about Jared Goff's game. I think that some tools are there, a very easy thrower. But, uh, you know, I don't know that he's a guy that I would look at as being that type of prospect. I mean, Jameis Winston, for all of his warts coming out, was still pretty advanced in a lot of different areas. I don't know that Goff's there yet. All right, how about another one of our guys here, Mike Mayock, of course, of NFL Network says that Keenan Reynolds, who we saw last week. One of uh, your favorite players. Yes, one of my favorite players. Uh, I'm really impressed by what he did last week at the Shrine Game. Mike Mayock says that Keenan Reynolds reminds him of Julian Edelman. Obviously, both guys played quarterback in college. Uh, but Keenan Reynolds comes from, correct me if I'm wrong, but he comes from more of a triple option system yes. compared to what Edelman ran. But Mayock sees a connection there. I don't know if you've been able to see that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because... What was the first? What was our first exposure to Reynolds when we showed up at practice uh, last it Monday? It was when he came out of the backfield one on one against a linebacker. And it was a passing play, and it was you know, for a guy who was who played quarterback for the entire year to see him go out of the backfield, catch the ball smoothly, and just completely burn the defender. Really impressive. To yeah, see. exactly. And my one of my first things, the one of the first thoughts that came into my head was. Because, look, you look at, at Keenan Reynolds' size, he's a bit undersized. He, he's sure. not the size of an NFL feature running back. When I saw him catch the ball that way, I thought, man, you know, maybe there's a chance for him as a slot receiver at the next level. And, and obviously Mayock sees the same thing. You make that comparison. A little bit. Julian Edelman's a little bit of a sore spot for me because – he killed us when I, when I was at Temple, and he was the quarterback at Kent State. He just, I mean, he was 
unguardable sometimes. You gotta uh, let that go. He would do. I, it was it was brutal. <laughs> I, I look, I, I still kind of hold it against him, but um, obviously an excellent college player. Keenan Reynolds is one of the most productive players at the collegiate level in the history of college football. But uh, very interesting comparison. Yeah, I really liked what I saw out of Keenan Reynolds, and uh, we'll actually talk about him again later in today's podcast. Uh, let's talk about some mock drafts here because mock drafts always I get love the it. fans going. Uh, this first one we're going to talk about comes from Josh Norris. And he has the Eagles at number 13 taking Cody Whitehair. This is an offensive lineman we're starting to hear more and more about heading into this week. We'll get a chance to see him up close and personal. Yeah, one of the guys we're going to see down here in Mobile. I would say, especially now that Taylor Decker's not here, and I'm not the biggest Taylor Decker fan, but especially now that he's not here, you make a case that well, Cody Whitehair is probably the best offensive lineman here in attendance at the Senior Bowl. He's a, a guy that's got positional versatility. He's played tackle. He's played guard. Has played tackle the last couple of years, and a lot of people see him shifting outside or shifting back inside. Excuse me for for his NFL career. Love his toughness. Love his athleticism. A lot of people don't give him enough credit athletically. I think that he's a really athletic kid that can be used in a lot of different ways in terms of the run scheme and as a puller and go and going on the outside in the screen game. Very intriguing player. Uh, I, I like the pick. The question will just become, and I've said this a couple different times, so I'm going to sound like a broken record. Do you think that Cody Whitehair is one of the 13 best players in the, in the draft? And, and that'll be the question if you want to select him at 13. The Eagles may see him that way, but that'll be the question you have to answer. Here's the thing. I, I have nothing against Cody Whitehair. I think he'd, he'd be a tremendous pick at number 13. But, but, if you, but if you look at this mock draft and you look at the next five that come off the board, the next two names immediately after the Eagles take Whitehair, Reggie Ragland goes to Oakland, and Carson Wentz goes to the now Los Angeles Rams. Those are probably the two players, Wentz and Ragland, the two players that I'm most looking forward to watching this week on offense and on defense. Fran, to me, it would just be very hard to pass those two guys up. I know, I know you need help up front. I know Whitehair's probably going to be a really nice player but it would be really tough for me to pass up on those two. Yeah, and I think that we both agree that if the Eagles don't re-sign Sam Bradford and they don't have an answer at the quarterback position, unless they don't think that Carson Wentz is the guy, which very well may be the case, mm -hmm. you can't pass on Carson Wentz there if, he, if he's available. Um, now, that being said, we don't know what's going on with the quarterback situation. Will Bradford be back? Won't he be back? If he's not back, I think that would be the way to go. I think then after that, it goes back to that question, and that's why I frame it that way. Do you think that Cody Whitehair is one of the 13 best? Because to me, you could easily say Reggie Ragland, you're going to take Reggie Ragland at 13. You could slide him into the starting lineup right now, and he's a starter. If you think that he'll be a better level starter for the for the defense than Cody Whitehair will be for the offense, and you know potentially you can get an offensive guard just to, that can start for you in round three or round four, now you're trying to weigh your options. What are the values there uh, at those two positions? But uh, I love Reggie Ragland. I love Carson Wentz. He, he rounded out the next five picks. Ashawn Robinson went to the Lions. I think Robinson is a really intriguing player. Deron Lee is an explosive linebacker. And Ezekiel Elliott was the fifth guy off the board after the Eagles pick, going uh, number 18 to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah, and then the top five for Norris. Uh, he has Tennessee taking Jalen Ramsey. Cleveland takes Jared Goff. Uh, San Diego, Laramie Tunsil. Laquan Treadwell to Dallas. Eagles fans wouldn't be happy about uh, another receiver with the Cowboys. And then Joey Bosa goes to Jacksonville at number five. Uh, Fran, now we're going to shift our focus here, and we're going to look at Pro Football Focus, who put out their second mock draft of the year. And this is a really interesting name for me here. They have the Eagles taking Sua Cravens, uh, a linebacker, and with some, we'll get to it in a second here, but some of the names that are still on the board, Miles Jack goes to Oakland at the next pick. Jonathan Buller to L.A. Robert Camdiche 
goes to Detroit. So some really, and then Corey Coleman, uh, stud wide receiver, goes to Atlanta. So some really good names on the board. How would Cravens fit with the Eagles there, at number thirteen? Uh, I think, and one of the things that they cited was Cravens' ability in coverage, and obviously that was an issue that the Eagles had in the in the back, especially in the second half of the season, was covering running backs and tight ends uh, from the linebacker position, and that's something that Cravens could potentially help a team. But again, I I don't know that Sua Cravens is one of the 13 best players. I, I would say pretty much certainly that he's not one of the 13 best players in the draft. So to me, that would be a little bit of a reach. But um, you know, especially when you consider Miles Jack is still right. there. And if you're going to talk Miles about coverage, Jack is still looking, on the board. You have to. Take yeah, him, right? yeah, yeah. This that's guy's thing. a potential top five pick. Yeah, and, and that's the and you would if you're drafting Miles Jack, you're drafting Miles Jack because of his versatility and his ability to play in coverage. Let's not forget last year as a sophomore. UCLA put Miles Jack one-on-one against Nelson Aguilar in the slot and was fine with him running downfield with Nelson Aguilar, a first-round pick at wide receiver, downfield. So uh, Miles Jack obviously could do a lot of different things from a coverage standpoint for a defense. Sua Cravens can offer those as well, but uh, a very interesting pick, to say the least. Well, there will be plenty more mock drafts for us to agree with and disagree with and pick apart. It seems like there's a new mock draft just about every day. Uh, from now until the draft. So we will dissect all of those here on the Journey to the Draft podcast. And we want to take a quick minute to thank everyone for listening. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, uh, whether you listen to this podcast on whether you download it from iTunes or Stitcher uh, or however it is that you listen. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like and what we can do better in upcoming podcasts. And uh, I think that's going to wrap up this segment here. And now we're going to turn our attention ahead to Mr. Relevant, And for that, we caught up with Lance Zerline of NFL.com as he previews some of the best offensive linemen that will be down here at Mobile at the Senior Bowl. It's time for Mr. Relevant. Continuing our Senior Bowl preview here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. And now we're going to turn our attention to the offensive line. And for that, we bring in Lance Zerline from NFL.com. Uh, Lance, some of the guys up front that you've kept an eye on here. Let's get into them. First guy up, Cody Whitehair uh, from Kansas State. Yeah, I'm a big fan. I think he's uh, extremely strong. Some of the strongest hands I've seen from a draft prospect in a long time. Uh, great body control, is able to control the point of attack. Bumping inside from tackle to guard. But, you know, he started as a guard, went outside to tackle the last couple of years because that's what the team asked of him. And I think, um, to me, I think he has the upside of Zach Martin. So I'm very high on Cody Whitehair. I want to see how he moves forward in space. I know he can, you know, handle himself physically, but I want to see how he moves and and plays in space as a guard. So that's something I'm interested in, but I'm a big fan. Another guy that we're looking at here, Willie Beavers, who I've started to hear a little bit more of as we continue this draft process. Yeah. What do you hear on this guy? He's talented. He's not afraid. He had some good matchups this year. Um, that's one of the things I really like is that I saw some game film against quality competition, uh, including Ohio State and Joey Bosa. So he didn't back down. He's strong. He's got some pretty good strength at the point of attack, moves pretty well. One of those mid-round guys going into the senior bowl, I think they can move up and become a, a second-day selection. So Willie Beavers has a lot to, to, to gain from the senior bowl for sure. Another guy, Jason Spriggs from Indiana. He's a guy that I'm starting to hear maybe first-round buzz, maybe a, a fringe first, second-round kind of guy. What do you think about Spriggs? Yeah, I'll be shocked if that happens. I'm not a big fan. I think that, um, to me, he has major issues with inside moves, and that's something that can derail a tackle. Um, I don't think he's a tackle. I think he's going to have to move inside to guard, maybe even center. Um, for being an athletic player, he has unusual stiffness 
um, with some of the, the change of direction issues he has. And so I think he, he really has to prove something. And it's not just me. These are some NFL scouts saying this as well. So I really believe that he's going to have to show something at the Senior Bowl in terms of fluidity of change of direction if he wants to stay at tackle. Because if not, you could see him taking some snaps inside this week. What about a guy like Evan Boehm from Mizzou? Big fan. Uh, durable as can be. Played through a high ankle sprain this year. Played every game there, w there was at Missouri. Um, very tough, strong. Body type is a little unusual, kind of a short leg, short limb player. But I think from a physicality standpoint, an ability to get blocks on the move, uh, talented, talented center. Probably a third-day selection, but I think he'll be an early starter in the NFL. And how about his teammate, Connor McGovern? Yeah, uh, Connor McGovern is a tackle or a guard. Um, a scout kind of hit me to him, said, hey, you need to go take a look at him, and I mm -hmm. did. And I like him. I think, once again, you're looking at a third-day player. But because he has scheme versatility, because he can play – either position versatility, either a swing tackle or guard position, I think it, it adds to his value as a draft prospect. So another guy like Beavers, I think, who, who could potentially fall or potentially help himself by plus or minus a round. How about moving into the SEC? Vidal Alexander is a name that a lot of people have kind of been buzzing about here from LSU. Yeah, uh, Vidal's a guy who, to me, has no chance of playing tackle. Not an athletic player, uh, very slow, can't get a backside cutoff. He is a guard or he won't play in the league. I, I, I'll put that on all of my family members. Will not be able to play tackle. He's going to have to move to guard. He is strong at the point of attack, but if you don't bend, if you don't play with leverage, um, it's hard to sustain blocks. So I think Vidal needs to show that, that he can play that guard position and he can root people out. His dream of playing tackle in the league, I think that one's going to end fairly abruptly at the Senior Bowl during one-on-one -on -one drills. And our last player that we're going to focus on here, Joe Dahl from Washington. Yeah, Joe Dahl's interesting for me because I kind of killed him a little bit the first time I watched him. And then I, I texted a, a regional scout who, who watched him and said he loved Joe Dahl. And I said, really? He said, yeah, I loved him. So I got a hold of Mike Leach, his, his coach, sure. and I asked him about him. He said, don't look at – and I can't remember the game, but he said that's a terrible game to look at because he was playing on what was basically, you know, a, a broken foot. I mean, he tried to play through an injury, and it finally – gave out on him in that game. So he said, you know, go back and rewatch him. So I've got to go back and rewatch him from earlier in the season when he's healthy. And really, I'm not going to do that until I watch him at Senior Bowl. I want to go in with a clean slate at the Senior Bowl so I get a better feel for Joe Dahl, who I think also will bump inside the guard. Eagles fans certainly know what the Senior Bowl can do for an offensive lineman. Just look at Lane Johnson a few years ago as the Eagles took him as the fourth overall pick. Our thanks to Lance Zerline from NFL.com for joining us here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. Now it's time for Pick 6. All right, Fran, it is time for Pick 6. Now, I think in one of our podcasts last week, we actually picked seven players during Pick 6. Yes. Uh, and that was a big no-no. Chris McPherson back in Philadelphia uh, gave us a lot of flack for that. For, I, I believe I got a text message from C-Mac saying, tisk, tisk, tisk. So I'm going to try to avoid that with this one. Yes, we're going to keep it to six players here. And it, today's topic, the six players that we are most excited about watching this week I'll start things off, and it's an obvious answer, but it's Carson Wentz from North Dakota State. Uh, obviously, there's so many questions about the Eagles quarterback position and whether Sam Bradford returns or not. Um, but Carson Wentz, to me, just seems like maybe the top passing prospect out there. Uh, and what I really want to see, why I'm looking forward to seeing most this week, is, of course, he played at the FCS level. So now he gets to play against higher competition, some of the top college players in the world, and we'll see how his skills translate. Played in the pro-style system, 
Uh, he could make every single throw. A really athletic kid could take off and run when he needed to. He was a leader on that North Dakota team. Uh, he, they've won, I think, four or five national titles in a row, and he's been a big part of a few of them. Uh, can put the ball right on the money with back shoulder throws. Uh, can hit the deep pass as well. I think I've read here or there that perhaps the deep ball is one of the areas of his game that he could improve. So I'll, sure. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he throws that ball this week. But I'm really looking forward to seeing how an FCS guy like Carson Wentz will uh, will show up this week. Yeah, and you look at some of the quarterbacks that he's going to be compared to throughout the week of practice. You know, Cody Kessler has been a long time long time starter now for USC. Kevin Hogan feels like he started for 18 years for Stanford. Jeff Driscoll <laughs> was one of the top quarterback prospects in the country when he committed to Florida. So no slouches for sure on the, on the North squad in terms of the quarterback position. For the first time ever, eight quarterbacks here in attendance in Mobile. So. Uh, Carson Wentz has has the ability, and you look on the other side of the line too, the other on the South team, and you know Jacoby Brissett and Brandon Allen, Jay Coker from Alabama, Dak Prescott. I mean, some of the best signal callers in the country are here. Now it's just a matter of how does Wentz compare to some of those other players. So I agree, I'm I'm excited to see Wentz. Uh, my number one player that I'm excited to watch is, is Jihad Ward, and a guy that from the very first time I watched him, I can remember I watched him against Iowa this year. And I came away thinking there's no way after watching that one game, and I, obviously I'm going to watch more, and I have watched a little bit more since then. After watching that game against Iowa, there's no way you could tell me this kid's not a top 25 pick. I mean, 6'5", 295 pounds. He's athletic for that size. He's versatile. He lines up inside. He lines up outside. Really was listed as a defensive end. He's listed as a DN down here at the senior ball. So really, really fascinating to see a guy with that size and that athleticism be able to win against tackles off the edge. He's got a great motor, made a number of really big-time, relentless plays playing outside the numbers as a pass rusher and as a defensive lineman. Just really impressive. Again, for a guy that's almost 300 pounds to be able to play out in space the way he does. Now, the question with him was his pad level. Uh, there were some times where I thought his eyes got a little bit lost in the backfield, but one of those attacking-type defensive linemen that could fit as a potential dominant three technique at the next level. I'm excited to see Ward. I would be, and I said this earlier on that Periscope, I would be disappointed if Ward wasn't one of the biggest standouts in practice this week. Yeah, and I'm going to stick on the uh, the defensive line as well here for my second pick. Uh, Ward's obviously a guy I'm really looking forward to, especially with how much that you've talked him up in the past few of months. Course. But I'm really looking forward to seeing him in person as well. Uh, but sticking on the defensive line, I'm going with six foot seven, two hundred and seventy two pound Carl Nassib from Penn State. Obviously, a bit of a local guy, so fans in Philadelphia uh, are probably you know very interested to see what happens with Nassib. Former walk on at Penn State. And he's really just been a star on that offensive line. They play a 4-3 front there, lines up at left defensive end. Uh, and when you think about, you know, we talked about it on the Periscope today, but when you think about Jim Schwartz coming in and the possibility of that wide nine defensive front coming in, I think a guy like Carl Nassib could be that perfect fit on one of those edges. Think about some of the guys he's had in the past on his defenses. Guys like uh, Kyle Vandenbosch in Detroit or a Jason Jones in Detroit who's a free agent now. And I think Carl Nassib kind of fits that mold as that long, athletic defensive end uh, who could do some really interesting things and I think could be a really interesting fit for the Eagles. Yeah, one of the players, it's funny, this was weeks ago watch, watching Carl Nassib. One of the players that I wrote down that he reminded me of was Devin Taylor from South Carolina. Devin Taylor went on, I believe he was a fifth-round pick, went to the Shrine game, was a fifth-round pick of the Detroit Lions. Their head coach was Jim Schwartz. So the body type certainly fits, and very, very intrigued to see Carl Nassib, a Philly guy. I believe he went to Malvern Prep, if I can remember correctly, on the main that line. That's correct. Yeah, I believe so. That's so correct. definitely a local guy, probably an Eagles fan, I would hope. 
Uh, if not, I'll be very disappointed. But uh, Carl Nassar, definitely a guy that I'm excited to see. And then one of the players I, I've been talking this guy up for a long time is Louisiana Tech running back Kenneth Dixon. He's 5'10", 213 pounds, uber competitive runner, really quick. You got a question whether how big and strong and powerful is he? Uh, what is his blocking like? I, I love this kid, though. And, again, I came away really, really impressed every single time I watch him. He's not an explosive, you know, 4-3, four, 4-4 four, four guy, but a guy that shows deceptive quickness. He's got the the ability to make people miss. He shows good wiggle. He can run through contact, you know, run through arm tackles really easily. Just really a really fun player to watch. I think you have Ezekiel Elliott, and everyone th talks about Ezekiel Elliott as one of the top runners in the class and probably the number one runner in this class. To me, Elliott's right there with him. I, I think Elliott's an outstanding player. All right, and for me, uh, my final guy here in pick six, my third player, another local guy, Tyler Matikiewicz from Temple Fran, obviously a player that you know very well. Um, whenever I got to watch Temple games this year, it seems like Matikiewicz was always around the ball. Uh, he won just about you know every award that a defensive player could hope to win this year. Uh, always around the ball, just has a real nose for it, a really instinctive player. Uh, you know, a million tackles. It seems like every single game, you always had, you always saw his red hair showing up in there, and uh, you know, just a, a player that I'm really interested to see how he translates to the next level. Uh, I know a knock on him has been his size, and if he has the size of that prototypical NFL linebacker, he's listed at six foot two thirty five. Uh, but really, for a guy like him, I think sometimes you know, heart can overcome size in this case. Uh, and just pure instincts can overcome size. So we'll see how he does hanging, uh, you know, hanging around some of the best players in the country here in Mobile. Yeah, my understanding is that he's pretty rocked up too. So we'll be able to see him down at the at weigh-ins tomorrow morning and get a sense of how he's built. But the big question with him too is his athleticism. His size absolutely is a big question. And the question is now, if you're a guy who's undersized and you're not a good athlete, typically not a good combination for the linebacker position. So he's going to have the ability to be able to show off both his size in weigh-ins and then also in one-on-one -on -one drills this week, how does he hang against the running backs and tight ends and coverage? will be very, very interesting to watch. My last guy is going to be Jalen Mills, 5'11", 197. Coming into the season, I thought he was the best safety at the in the senior class. Uh, he was playing the safety position only for a year. Coming into the year for LSU, former cornerback that kind of reminded me, you know, played that, played that Tyron Matthew role for LSU. He's listed down here as a corner. He's got good size. He's obviously athletic. He's got great ball skills. Made a number of really impressive plays in the ball on, in games that I've watched. Missed a good chunk of the year. I want to say it was the first six or seven weeks with a broken leg that he suffered in training camp. No ligament or structural damage, just a broken leg. But Mills is a really intriguing player. That corner safety versatility is obviously very intriguing. Uh, I'm really excited to watch him in person. All right, there you have it. Pick six, and it was just six today. Uh, so C-Mac can rest easy tonight. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> I think now we'll transition ahead, in, ahead here to our first unofficial visit of today's program, and it is with Michigan offensive lineman. He can play guard. He played center at the Shrine game. Graham Glasgow, here's our interview last week. The unofficial visit. And I'm here with Graham Glasgow from the University of Michigan. Uh, Graham, for you, where are you at right now uh, in terms of comfortability heading into the draft, proce draft process? Um, how, do you, how do you feel right now? Um, I feel pretty good, and I think that I definitely have some things to work on, but we, uh, part of the process is just getting better every day and getting ready for uh, the big day out in April. So for the fans that aren't familiar with your game, how would you describe what you bring to the table? 
I think that I'm a smart player, and I think I'm a very, very quick center for my size and a quick guard. And I think that uh, I got the I got the strength and the power to uh, do pretty well in the run game. You mentioned the intelligence that goes into playing center. Of all the positions on the field, especially on the offensive line, it seems like that really goes in goes hand in hand with playing center. How crucial is that to your game? You know, we got to be able to see the rotating safeties and know where the blitz is coming from, and know the fronts and the calls. And I think that that's just crucial to run blocking and pass blocking for not just me but the whole offensive line and I think that that's what makes a successful offensive line and a successful team. Now in the past you've played guard as well correct is there any what's the biggest difference between lining up at center or lining up at left and right guard? Um, I would say just getting uh, snapping the ball and then getting that that hand up you know just being able to uh, at guard you're able to have your hands free and do whatever you want with them but at center you got to be able to snap the ball get it up quickly and uh, deal with a guy who's right in your lap. And if there's one thing that you really want to work on throughout the rest of the process, uh, whether it be an aspect of your game, what is it that you want to accomplish here in these next few weeks leading into the end of the draft process? I definitely want to be able to work on my snap hand and getting it, in, uh, getting it inside and using it better and pass protection. I think that that's something I need to work on and uh, it's something I will work on. On the clock. All right, Fran, it is time to go on the clock here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. A couple of rapid-fire questions here. Let's start off with the player who surprised you most when we saw him at the Shrine Game last week. Yeah, we didn't get a chance last week to do our really Shrine shrine Game recap and our wrap-up, so we'll do a couple questions here about the Shrine. And To me, the the player that that really kind of – improved his stock in my mind was Alex Lewis, the tackle from Nebraska. He can play tackle. He can play guard. When I watched him on tape, I didn't think he was the strongest. I didn't think he was the most physical. I thought he was a developmental prospect, and I thought he was one of the best linemen during the week of practice down in Mobile. He played for the West Squad, or down in uh, St. Pete. Played for the West Squad, that, which had a tr- really troubling offensive line group, but he stood out. Him and, him and Stefan Nembot for the West team, I, I was really intrigued by both of those players, but Nembot, I kind of knew what what I had, you know, mm-hmm. coming in. Alex Lewis, I, I didn't think there was much there. He he impressed me. He's going to make me go back and watch more. Yeah, and I'm going to go with a name that we've already talked about today. We've talked about him many, many times, and that's Keenan Reynolds, uh, the H back slash quarterback from Navy. Uh, we talked about it earlier how smooth he was coming out of the backfield, making uh, making catches, which was something that I really did not expect from him. You mentioned, you know, his potential in the slot as you know that H back type. Uh, and then I was really, really disappointed when I saw that he couldn't play in the actual Shrine game itself on Saturday due to back spasms, had to pull out of the game because uh, I was kind of pulling for him at that point. Obviously a great kid from the Naval Academy. Sure. Um, got to interview him as well, a, a really nice guy. Uh, so I was really hoping that he could show off more of his skills to a national audience on Saturday. So I was a little upset that he didn't get to play. But uh, Keenan Reynolds, just from the moment we got there, really surprised me. Yeah, and I think that certainly was a disappointment to see him not play. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully he gets a chance to go to the Combine and, and further improve his stock. All right, Fran, up next, your favorite interview from the Shrine game was? I would say it's Missouri Western State corner Michael Jordan, a guy that I really liked on tape coming into the year, big physical corner. It's got great ball skills. The question with him was his athleticism and his speed. Uh, didn't see a ton of that on display this past week, but really an intriguing player because of those ball skills and found out afterwards. We talked for like five, six minutes after. He's an Eagles fan. Grew up in St. Louis, was an Eagles fan. Loved Jeremy Macklin and his career in Philly because he was from the same town. Uh, just a really, really fun guy to be around. And 
Uh, I'm going to take a guess as to who your favorite player was, but I'll, I'll let you th throw it out there. Yeah, uh, no surprise here. It was Vernon Adams uh, who I was able to catch up with after the first day of practice with the West team. And obviously the knock on him is his size. He's, uh, he's listed, I think, at 5'11", maybe 5'10". Uh, he's probably closer to 5'9", but look, he was ultra confident in his own abilities, said that you know he could play at the next level. He compared himself to a Russell Wilson type who can extend plays and make things happen. And for all the doubters out there, he goes into the Shrine game and he absolutely tears it up. I don't know. I don't have his final stats in front of me, but I think he threw three touchdown passes. He threw a dart to Kevon Cartwright. He also had like a 90-yard touchdown pass to uh, Anthrop, the wide receiver from Purdue. Uh, three touchdown passes total. And I really think that, in a way, it was another big coming-out party uh, for Vernon Adams. So, obviously, I think there's still going to be some doubters in his game. Scouts are still going to say his size uh, you know, is an issue. But, hey, I, I liked what I saw, and I really liked the conversation that I had with him. Yeah, and he was uh, – I think Mike Mayock said it on the broadcast that it was – of the years that he had been going to the Shrine game, this was the crispest performance that he had seen from any quarterback. So, obviously, a big day, a big week for Vernon Adams. All right, uh, a couple more uh, shrine shrine game questions here. Uh, may maybe just one. We'll wrap it wrap it into one question here. Uh, Fran, the best and worst non football parts of our trip last week uh, in St. Pete. For me, the best part was cruising cruising around in our rental minivan that we had. And it reminded me of last offseason when Mark Sanchez <laughs> and some of the Eagles, there were reports that they were oh, out in California good. driving around, cruising around. They were training together. They were working out. And all the fans, you know, fans out there saw them driving around uh, in their van. And that's what we had. I think when we showed up to the East and West practices last week, people are saying, look at that Eagles crew. People know what's up. Yeah, we they, were up. they knew we meant business as soon as those <laughs> automatic doors opened and we stepped out and unloaded all of our stuff. Uh, so they definitely knew uh, what was up. But I thought uh, just driving around St. Pete and going to the different practice sites, we could stop and get lunch in between. Uh, but cruising around in style was my favorite part of St. Pete. And then the worst part was the weather. Because when you told me, hey, we're going down to Florida for the yeah. Shrine game, I'm excited about it. You know, it's frigid cold back in Philly. And it was chilly at times there. Now, it, I, it wasn't single-degree temperatures like it was back in the Northeast. But – it was cold during some of the morning and afternoon practices. You so. were drinking hot chocolate on the sideline. I, 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 I spotted it. <laughs> I, I did. I, I paid a dollar. <laughs> I paid a dollar, and I got a night. It was actually a really good cup of hot chocolate, too. <laughs> it was like – it's just one of those times where it was exactly what I needed. But then if you drink it, it, I was using it to keep my hands warm. Right. So then when you drink it, it goes away. You and need it's, more. You know, it's a real dilemma. Those are my favorite – my best and worst parts of last week at the Shrine Well, it's funny. So thinking about it as you asked it, and you're talking about your favorite part, my least favorite part was connected at the hip to your favorite part. And that's – I was the driver, and I, I've been the driver, th you know, for over the course of the last two weeks. Uh, the, the remote for the minivan that you loved so much was such a piece of junk. Anyway, the battery died on the first day. <laughs> So I thought we were locked out of the car. I had to call customer service. So they told Fran, me there's a so, key so that the first day out. of practice, the first practice we go to, <laughs> Fran had to park, you know, far away. So so we had all the camera equipment and all of our recording equipment. So Fran goes, I'm going to go pick up the car. You guys wait. I'll come back and get it. About five minutes later, I get a text from Fran saying, like, car remote issue. Like, we'll keep you updated. Or <laughs> I don't know what that meant. 
But I did think that we were going to be stranded in St. Petersburg. Florida, yeah, but luckily yeah. we were. Luckily we weren't. They figured I got on the line with somebody, and you know there was some convoluted way of how to get an actual key out of the remote. That, you know it was not obvious to me. So then the whole week I didn't have any. I didn't have a, a keyless remote, but. Uh, so that, that was my least favorite thing because that was just a pain the entire week of practice. But my favorite part was just seeing all the same people that, that I see every year, twice a year, uh, for two weeks in a row. And you, know, you get to see them for this two-week span. This is your first exposure to a lot of those people. I, have, I talk with Tony Pauline on an almost weekly basis throughout the year, but uh, getting a chance to see him was great. And then all the other people that you get to see. You, know, you don't get to see the, the Josh Norrises and Dane Brugers each, week, each year or each week. Uh, I don't get a chance to see Eric Galco from Optimum Scouting, some of the people that are native to just the Shrine game. So it's always great to catch up with people that you only get to see uh, once a year. Yeah, it was really nice catching up with Jameis Winston as well. Of course. Who was there. How could I forget? Uh, on the, our final day on Wednesday, uh, just showed up to watch practice, had his dog there, and was just, uh, you know, I'm sure obviously since he plays for Tampa Bay, he's no big deal. in the area, just stopping by and uh, cheering on some of the guys. So we got to see Jameis there as well. You were petting his dog, I saw. No, I, I, I'm not going to go that far. <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> Uh, he is an Eagles fan, though. Uh, next True. question here uh, as we kind of move ahead from Shrine Game into Senior Bowl uh, questions. Friend, which position group are you most excited about this week? Uh, I think it's the defensive line. You, you look at Austin Johnson, a guy I mentioned earlier, Sheldon Rankins from Louisville, Jihad Ward I talked about, Charles Tapper is one of my favorite players down here, Adolphus Washington from Ohio State, Sheldon Day is one of those three techniques. A lot of people have compared him to a baby Aaron Donald, Vernon Butler. I mean, this is a stacked group of interior defensive linemen down here at this game. So to me, it's the, it's the most talented position group down here in Mobile. Yeah, and for me, I think that – it's obvious that the quarterbacks always attract the most attention, whether it's on the college level, the pro level, any level of football, quarterbacks always generate the most buzz. So we're going to see some of those guys. Carson Wentz, Jacoby Brissett is a guy that I'm really interested to watch because I really haven't seen him at all before coming down here. Really excited to see what he can do in person. Uh, and then the same for a guy like Dak Prescott, who could be a mid-round pick. He's been compared in the past by some people to kind of a Donovan McNabb type uh, with his body type and his arm strength. So really excited to see those guys uh, up close. But aside from the quarterbacks, I think offensive line is a position that's kind of more relevant to the Eagles right now. We talked about Cody Whitehair, uh, guys like Spencer, Jang Spencer Drango, Jason Spriggs, Vidal Alexander, or then even, you know, potential mid-round guys like Joe Dahl and Nick Martin. Uh, there's a really good group of offensive linemen here. Obviously, we won't see uh, Taylor Decker. We talked about him earlier, but uh, even without Decker, uh, there's some really intriguing names on the offensive line. Yeah, I would agree. That's, that's a group that maybe not as much talent as the defensive line, but watching those guys go up against the defensive linemen will be very, very intriguing. It'll help a lot of people. We've seen offensive linemen come here each and every year and really help their stock. And our last question here on the clock, Fran, which under-the-radar player could potentially shine this week at the Senior Bowl? Yeah, to me, it's you know there were two players, two big seniors that missed all or most of the season and now are here at the Senior Bowl. One we've talked about ad nauseum is, is Carson Wentz from North Dakota State. The other is Arkansas running back Jonathan Williams, 5'11", 223 pounds, I watched him over the summer, and I thought, man, this kid is one of the best senior running backs in the country. He's got NFL feature running back written all over him, one of only two guys that I watched in the senior class that I felt that strongly about, the other being Kenneth Dixon. Uh, Williams is a guy he has got really great instincts inside, really knows what he's doing in terms of finding the hole. He's very decisive getting downhill and is able to navigate 
muddy uh, lines of scrimmage, does a really good job with bodies around him at finding small cracks and getting through the defense, but then also shows great contact bounce, really just another competitive runner. Not an explosive player. Again, like like uh, Kenneth Dixon, not the most explosive stop-start guy, but a guy that can get downhill, be physical, but then also show the wiggle to make defenders miss. Yeah, and there's a couple of guys here that, that kind of pop up on my radar. Uh, Willie Beavers, an offensive tackle, is one of them. Uh, I think we heard Lance Zerline mention him. We heard Tony Pauline mention him uh, on earlier podcasts as well, the offensive tackle. Uh, kind of an under-the-radar guy that you know didn't go to a big school, uh, went to Western Michigan, but could be one of those guys that you know has a, a huge breakout week down here uh, in front of the pro scouts and really shoots up the draft boards. Another guy is Cyrus Jones from Alabama, the cornerback, and I think – Fans out there may know his names. I think he's had a couple of really, really productive names there. Um, but I think as we start to talk about the cornerback positions here more and more, um, that people may start to forget about Cyrus Jones. He's listed at 5'10", 196, uh, lined up at right cornerback. He was a guy that Nick Saban really relied on on that defense. Yeah. Uh, also did some good things in special teams, kind of a versatile player. Um, and, you know, we had a question earlier today uh, on our Periscope about potential fits for, you know, slot corner guys maybe Cyrus Jones is one of those guys I think he could be comfortable on the outside as well but I'm interested to see how he performs down here yeah and he's definitely one of the more intriguing corners he played for most of the season last year as a junior with a sports hernia if I believe so when I watched him I had questions about his athleticism and then afterwards found out about that injury so excited to see him in person and what he looks like all right, I think that'll uh, wrap things up there. But uh, as we're talking about uh, some secondary players here with Cyrus Jones, uh, we'll get into our second and final unofficial visit of today's podcast, and it's with another member of the secondary, Andrew Williamson, the safety from Vanderbilt. The unofficial visit. Here now with Vanderbilt safety, Andrew Williamson. And, Andrew, uh, for those who have yet to see you play, can you give a, give a quick scouting report of yourself? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, I see myself, you know, pretty uh, nice size safety, uh, got good closing speed, uh, pretty good pass coverage skills, and, uh, you know, I'll, I, I'm excited to be out here, you know, display my skill sets. Yeah. A lot of people say that the safety position is really probably the hardest to kind of evaluate moving forward from college to the NFL. Is there an area of the game that you feel is kind of undersold when people talk about the safety position that people don't really think about when you think about how hard it is to really play that spot? Uh, yeah, a lot of communication comes from that back end as far as like coverage adjustments. You know, the safety has to be very versatile, being able to come up, you know, and fit on the run as well as guard, you know, receivers in a slot and tight ends. So there's just a lot of matchups that the safety has to count for and, you know, be good at. So. And what's your favorite part of playing safety? Uh, really, you know, basically you can really do a lot of things. You can come up and uh, fit the running back. You can uh, have a lot of room, like, around the field. Uh, uh, basically, you're almost like a linebacker in a corner, so you know, I feel like that's you know just a good fit for me. And then, is there one area of the game that, uh, after getting feedback from NFL scouts, you feel you want to improve on moving forward? Uh, yes, sir. Uh, definitely tighten up my uh, pass coverage. It's one thing I feel like I have to, uh, you know, touch up on, and maybe uh, just you know fitting up, finishing on the runs, stuff like that. So. And then the last question for you: Playing in the SEC, obviously going up against the top level talent. Who's the best player you had to cover this year uh, as a senior? Uh, coverage is going up against. Uh, That's a tough one. It's a lot of different roles for a safety. Who, who, who would you say is the toughest uh, offensive player you had to face this year? Probably Chubb, man, because he didn't, he didn't need much space as far as like a hole because he could have a six-inch hole and he's hitting it and he's out the gate. So, yeah, that's a good player right there. Sure. Well, best of luck, Andrew. Thanks. Appreciate it. 
Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the Draft Mailbag. We are into the home stretch here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. And for that, we head into our draft mailbag as we take your questions from Twitter and we do our best to answer them here. Fran, our first question here comes from at Phillies Fan for Life, who wants to know how one of your guys from Temple, Robbie Anderson, how he looked last week. Anderson's a guy I thought that he was probably the best receiver down in St. Petersburg. He was so smooth. He's a big kid, caught everything thrown his way, just does every. He makes things look very, very easy uh, at the wide receiver position. Now, some things he definitely has to work on. I had some questions coming into the week about his ability to make contested catches for a bigger receiver. So I think he's a little bit more of a guy that can win in the small game, quote-unquote, as opposed to a guy that can go up and win consistently. But a really smooth athlete that catches the ball really cleanly. I was really impressed with Anderson last week. And I'm not just saying that as a Temple guy. I think that uh, he was one of the better receivers down there. No, I agree with you. I'm not a Temple guy, but I, I was very, very impressed with what I saw from Robbie Anderson. Really smooth route runner, showed good hands. Um, I agree with you that he was probably the best wide receiver we saw down there. Speaking of the wide receiver position, our next question comes from Frank, at random Frank P on Twitter, who wants to know, what are your thoughts on the Eagles taking a wide receiver early and possibly moving Jordan Matthews to the outside? I, I don't think it's outside the question here with the new coaching staff coming in that we could see Jordan Matthews move outside. And then, you know, as for taking a wide receiver early, I don't know if you would take a guy in a first round in the first round necessarily, but you know, maybe in that third or fourth round range, maybe a guy like uh, a Sterling Shepard from Oklahoma, maybe an Aaron Burbridge if he's still on the board, he probably won't be at that point. But Fran, the possibility of moving Matthews outside and getting a receiver early in the draft. Yeah, I think that that just depends on, on how the, the new staff views Matthews. Can he be an X receiver in this offense? Can he be kind of a mismatched guy inside as what he's been throughout the entirety of his career. I'm excited, just like with Ertz, I'm excited to see what this new staff can do to be able to get Matthews in space, create favorable matchups with him in the slot. I think that's something that happened naturally over the course of the last couple of years. But what will the staff do to be able to generate more touches for Matthews? I think will be very, very interesting to watch. But in terms of receiver early, I mean, we, we've seen three guys go in the first three rounds over the, the last two years. You had Aguilar, you had Jordan Matthews, and you had Josh Huff. Will you continue to spend high-quality draft assets on that position? To me, we'll see how free agency pans out and who gets brought back in terms of uh, the players that you know that are already free agents for the Eagles. But you know, if the Eagles view Laquan Treadwell as a top-five talent and he falls to 13, I don't know that you could turn it down. I, you know, I don't know that you could. But so it, it's one of those wait and see kind of things. It's a very good point. We will have to wait and see. Next question here comes from Willie at Gil Willie M, who wants to talk quarterbacks. Cook. Wentz, Goff, Lynch, rank them. All right, uh, here we go. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at this. To me, Wentz one. Yep. Lynch two. Okay. Goff three, Cook four, and uh, they're all still really close. And I reserve the right. I'm just putting this out on the table. I reserve the right to change my order down the line. Oh, Frank's I writing to, his listen, answer in pencil. Listen, I've read. I've already. I've watched like five or six games this year on all these guys. I want to continue to watch more. I'll end up watching most of the their uh, final seasons in college, but I, they're all really tight to me. You know, I really it just depends on what your flavor is. To me, Wentz is the most complete player. He may not have as high an upside as a guy like Goff. He may not have as high an upside as a guy like Lynch, 
But I think right now he's the he's the best of the three in terms of what we saw on tape last year. I think that Lynch obviously has a ton of upside because of his height, or not because of his height, but because of his arm strength and because of his ability to get outside the pocket. He's got very light feet. I think uh, Jared Goff, we talked about already, kind of an easy thrower, does everything pretty well. Consistency was a major issue for me with Jared Goff. So that's why I put them in that order. Yeah, I think I'd go Wentz, Goff, Lynch, Cook. So just my two and three separate from what you said. Um, but we'll see how it, uh, how it works out here. All right, our next question here comes from at Ray Hollings on Twitter who wants to know, Fran, who are the best 3-4 outside linebacker prospects from the Shrine game and the Senior Bowl? Well, from the Senior Bowl or from the Shrine game, I would say you probably have to look at James Kowser uh, from Southern Utah. He was one of the more disruptive players in the front seven throughout the week of practice. Really just gave that West offensive line fits throughout the week. And, you know, he was very, very productive. If he gets drafted, he will be the most productive edge defender to get drafted in the last five years. He's just a really, really productive player uh, that can win a number of different ways. He can string multiple moves together, which I love to see from college pass rushers. Just a really natural feel for getting after the quarterback. And James Kowser is definitely one of those guys that's really fun to watch. As far as this week at the Senior Bowl, I think you got to look at two guys, and they have – Somewhat different skill sets. And the one guy's really impressed me because of his days at Ohio State. And obviously he had issues off the field, but I'm speaking strictly on the field. Noah Spence from Eastern Kentucky. On field at Ohio State, he was a one-trick pony. Only one with a rip move. He had one move on the outside. And if he didn't win there, he wasn't going to win. That was it. If he was blocked, he was done. As I watched more this year from Eastern Kentucky, I saw a guy that was able to counter once he was initially blocked. He was able to attack offensive lineman with different moves I was really really impressed by what I saw from Noah Spence and I'm excited to see what he can do against some of the top tackles in this draft class down here in Mobile and then the other guy's daddy Nicholas and he's got a lot to prove because the way that he was used in that Virginia Tech defense this year he sometimes he played as a defensive end in a bare front where he was covered up by a couple different offensive linemen he lined up head up on offensive tackles at times head up on offensive guards at times inside so really it wasn't always put in a position where he just had to pin his ears back and get after the pass or try and beat, you know, and win the corner. Even though he's one of those dynamic speed rushers that can bend the edge and accelerate turning the corner, he was not always used in that way. He's a really dynamic athlete. I really, really am intrigued by Daddy Nicholas and what he can be. He's a bit undersized. I want to say he's 230 plus pounds. Definitely light for the pass rush spot, but uh, an exciting player to say the least. All right, we have time for a couple more questions here. Next one comes from Herbert, uh, who wants to know, we're going to move from outside linebackers to the defensive end spot. Who are the top pass-rushing DNs in this year's draft? Obviously, we already talked about a guy like Carl Nassib, but uh, definitely some interesting defensive end edge rusher players this year. Sure. I mean, I was excited to see Shalik Calhoun. Disappointed to not be able to see him down here. Uh, you know, I think that if you look at the defensive end spot, you know, can Jordan Jenkins transition to that kind of player? The kid from Georgia, he's 6'3", 254 pounds. Again, is a guy that can win with his first step. He plays fast. He's got a good motor. I, my question with him, I talked about the pass rush skill of James Kowser. I didn't always see that from Jordan Jenkins. Even though his production was pretty high, I didn't always see the ability to string multiple moves together, win in a couple of different ways. I didn't always see that from Jordan Jenkins. Mentioned Carl Nassib. I, I'm excited about what we could see there. The one guy that I've always – I think that this guy's a bulldog, man. Jason Fanaika from Utah was initially committed to the Shrine game, ended up getting an invite from the Senior Bowl, and now he's down here in Mobile. 
he does not look the part. You talk about pass rushers. This guy's 6'2", 269 pounds, so he's built like a fire hydrant, but he's got a high motor. He's competitive. He wins with power. He wins with leverage. You know, he's not the most athletic guy. He's not one of those, uh, you know, space players that can, you know, do all these different things. He's one of those guys. He's gonna, he's gonna line up across from you. He's gonna bull rush you. He's gonna win with his hands in a couple of different ways. Uh, he's an intriguing player that I think will be very exciting to watch this week. And our last question here comes from Wilton Houston on Twitter, who wants to know which QB prospects have the highest IQ when it comes to recognizing coverages and making audibles at the line of scrimmage. Well, well, it's a good question, and I think that when you look at the quarterback position and you talk about what is a guy's IQ like, unfortunately, us on the outside, it's so tough for us to really get a sense of it because you know we're obviously we're not in the meeting rooms, we don't, we're not there on those whiteboard sessions. All we can see is you know the whiteboard sessions that get you know whether it's Gruden's quarterback camp or uh, the sessions that NFL mm-hmm. Network does with with Steve Mariucci at the combine. We get a sense of that, and then we can see what a guy's like up at the board. But other than that, and then the reports that leak out, which you can sometimes believe, but you can't always. You always have to take them with a grain of salt. I think that the quarterback position, all you can do is kind of look at what has the guy put on tape. And at times, with all these prospects, you can talk about Christian Hackenberg. At times, he is so good at attacking the, the weak spots in coverage. And sometimes Jared Goff is so good at going after the, the favorable matchups in the back end and the secondary. Paxton Lynch, same thing. But then other times, because, again, these guys are college prospects. Not all these guys are going to be Andrew Luck. None of these guys are Andrew Luck. They don't always know. There are, the, there are some bad decisions. They're throwing passes where they shouldn't be thrown. Sometimes you know they'll succeed despite that, despite making the wrong decision. They might throw it, and the defender just doesn't make the play, or you know it's a 50-50 ball, and their receiver goes up and wins. You're always going to have those kinds of plays with all these quarterbacks. Really, the best way that teams are going to be able to gauge that football intelligence is when they sit down in those one-on-one situations, which obviously we are not privy to. So a lot of questions still yet to be answered, but one thing is for certain, Fran, it's going to be a heck of a week down here in Mobile. Just getting started down here in Mobile. We're going to have podcasts for you every day, every day of the week. Uh, after we finish up at practice, we'll come back to the hotel and uh, tell you what we saw, the players that really stood out to us. So we'll have a podcast every single day of the week. Uh, Dave Spadaro will also be joining us down here this week as he'll have one-on-one interviews with Philadelphia Eagles head coach Doug Peterson along with Vice President of Football Operations Howie Roseman. Uh, it is going to be a jam-packed week of coverage right here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com. But I think that's going to wrap things up for uh, this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. So thank you, everyone, for listening. And for Fran Duffy, I am Alex Smith. Have a good night, everybody, and we'll see you later this week.